He is going to drop the throw. Fires deep along the right sideline for Alec, Alec Pierce. Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown! Touchdown! Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag. Oh, my bad. I forgot to add his back. <laughs> oh, man. It's one of the nights. Good evening, everybody. This is the crew. We are back. It's just me and Zach right now. I think Trev's going to try to make it on. Uh, DeMarco is out with his family at a water park. I don't know what day he's doing. So it's us. And we're going to talk strictly Colts tonight. So how's everybody doing? I just started my vacation, so I'm pretty good. I got this whole week off. I ain't doing nothing. Like barely anything. <laughs> Man, that's, that's how I've been the last couple of weeks. It's <laughs> exciting. I still got like two and a half months left of it, too. Dang, must be nice. Yeah. Must be nice. Let's see, we're going to choose some background music since there's only two of us. Usually it adds a little oomph. Oomph. Let's add see, some oomph. Yeah. Sure. What's up, Chad? Chad in the comments, as always. I can't see him. I don't have that cool, that cool thing yet. What, you can't see the comments? Yeah, I see them on my phone, but I don't see them like when they pop up on the screen or anything like that. Like, oh. like you and DeMarco got, because you guys got the host one. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to just have to give you guys, everybody, the login. Me and like everybody. Let everybody be on the host. But yeah, it's cool with me. It is what it is. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So training camp starts in what? About a week? Week and a half? Yeah. Next week, the 26th, I do believe. What are your What are your first thoughts? On training camp? Yeah. Um... Honestly, I just want it to be competitive. Like, that's my biggest thoughts. Like, I know that's what Shane has preached. I mean, that's literally what Ballard has talked about from day one. Competition. Competition breeds competitiveness. Competitive brings out the best in players. And that's what I want to see. Like, especially because we're such a young team. For me, this year isn't about, like, overall team success. It's about individual player development. And that's what I want to see from day one of training camp until week 18 when, you know, we finally hit the fourth quarter and the season's done and over with. Like, that's what I want to see. Development from players constantly getting better. Yeah, that's it, man. Like, a lot of people are sitting out here trying to say, like, we need to make the playoffs. We need to win the division. Like, I don't even think we're in the battle for the division, to be completely honest. Like, no. It's a little unfair to put on these guys heading into this season when it's most of them are about to be rookies, especially if you look at our secondary. That whole secondary is about to be rookies outside of two safeties and one corner. So, yeah, those out those outside edges are going to look a little sketch this season. So, even with Dallas Flowers, even if Dallas Flowers plays over a rookie, to me he's still going to be suspect. It's like being a rookie at corner, right? Gordon. Speed game i mean it's crunch time like we're it's gonna look ugly early before it gets any better like yeah that's a quarterback 
and that's um that's period it's gonna look ugly yeah um, i said that too. my mom just asked me where is everyone at mom because they got on the show late hey mom they are out and about with families friends and wives so it's a it's a 1v1 episode with uh matt tonight hopefully that's okay hopefully <laughs> hopefully that tantalizes your colt's taste buds mom but um yeah i i fully expect this year to be just a down year of strictly development from a coaching staff quarterback right. staff offensive staff to even the defense right me too me too uh kevin here says anyone seen peyton's qb on netflix since it gets goosebumps yeah, yeah i watched it or i watched some of it um i'll say there's a few things i took out of that um one uh patrick mahomes has the most annoying wife ever <laughs> Facts. Um, and he, it even shows on his face like i think it was like the first five minutes for his birthday the birthday scene and she had like all these different photo ops and he was he was like getting annoyed he was like no nah, i'm done i'm done like i'm not doing it anymore yeah yeah <laughs> she she bought into the uh the rich life and then um uh Kirk Cousins has probably the best NFL wife. I just like that she picks out his outfits. Like like she dresses him. She he literally says, My wife dresses me. Like that's he doesn't funny. want to worry about clothes, yeah. he just wants to worry about football. So locked in on ball that he doesn't even care. So But but then when it's it comes cool. to the game, he, he's like mentally like I would say a little weak on the mental side when it comes to the game. He gets frustrated easy, and I've never noticed it like watching him just regularly. But seeing him talk about it in the middle of, the, of that show, yeah, I kind of that, that's the kind of vibe I got. I don't think he's mentally weak. I just think that yo, they let off with some stats. He was the number one most hit quarterback last year in the NFL. So like that takes a toll essentially. Plus he's older, man. He's in, what thirty five or thirty four. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to think about being an older quarterback getting hit. That's no fun. So, you know, why he might, I don't know. Kirk Cousins' brain is is why he's on that show because he's the elite in that aspect. He has an elite brain, whether that translates on the field or not. <laughs> that that remains yeah. to be seen, but you can tell his brain is elite. Well, you got you to gotta think too, man, like that one dude um, – I don't remember his name, but he was the backup for the Packers, and then he played, I think, in San Fran too, I think, or somewhere else. And he—he's even smart. He even seemed like he had like this yeah. genius mind when he's going over like, "Well, this is your read on this. This is your read on that." Like knowing every little thing. I mean, that's right. And he was just a backup, like third string quarterback. There are yeah, those videos you shared with us. Yeah, dog, those are insane. How like you got it. You got the motion, you got the kill, you know, you got your yeah. first read, your progression over here. And, and then, you, then the post-snap read, eh, when you're reading the hook. <laughs> that that safety flinches and fades to the yeah. left or to the right. You then have to hit the opposite hook. That's wild. That's nuts, man. Because Yeah. And and then I, I feel like Marcus Mariota just doesn't fit the show. I don't really pay attention to his parts. Um, Very journeyman. Um, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it because it just gives a different a different aspect to it because, you know, he was a high draft pick who didn't really pan out. But, I mean, I would say if Marcus Mariota becomes a backup again, like he is in Philly, Philly can sleep easy because he might be top one or two backups in the league. 
Yeah, I can and, see that. I mean, based on his play, even last year, yeah, he had a terrible year for his standards. I mean, what? He had 17 touchdowns to seven interceptions and I think 2,000 yards receiving plus 800 yards rushing and four touchdowns. For backup quarterback, that's pretty solid. So, I mean, I would take that without a doubt. Facts. Uh, Chad here says, when do you think they will announce all official starters? Uh, I think that's going to come after the final week of preseason. But yeah, Go ahead and look at They don't typically announce no. official starters. and They do it weekly, to be honest. And they don't do it until like Wednesday, Thursday. Especially with Shane. With Shane, at quarterback, yeah. he's not letting any or coach. He's not letting anything out. We won't know who the starting quarterback is until game time, in my opinion. And yeah. we, sh- we sure as hell won't know like who the starters are until final cut week. Thanks. So. Well, I think I don't think there is a final cut week anymore. Now it's just they all have to be cut by one date. Right. It's the the week before the before, season starts. Yeah. The final cut was, week. Yeah. Before it was like they had to do a certain amount of people each week, yeah. and now it's now it's just cut them. Yep, now you got one week. You got one week to get rid of everybody. So, Kevin says our secondary suspect at best, and I agree 100%. I think our secondary has been where we've laxed in the last few years, to be completely honest. If we don't get pressure, uh, our secondary looks like toast. Yeah. Yeah, the youth is, as I was telling DeMarco, I feel like that's why we kind of got at it in the chat because I hate young football teams. And the aspect of young teams don't win in the league. Young and inexperienced teams don't win in the league. And in my opinion, the three most the three most important spots, the culture and experience in two of them, quarterback and secondary. <laughs> so, so being the quarterback, we knew we were going to have a rough year with a rookie. That's fine. But losing Isaiah Rogers, how we lost him, definitely hurt us. And the fact that the Colts haven't addressed it yet by either signing a vet who knows the system and wants to, you know, go young in development. If they choose to go young in development, it's going to look ugly. It could be ugly all year before it gets better, in my opinion. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%, man. Because, like, those are probably the two most important right now that we needed to address. And we attempted to address corner with the idea that Isaiah Rogers was going to be our starter. And now that's a big mess. These, these corners are now going to have to develop a whole lot faster than they planned on. Um, there, I think week one, they're going to get torched, man. Oh, it's going to be, unfortunately. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. Like the one, the one thing that could help Indianapolis tremendously is if the front four finally take that next step, you know, and garner and put a lot of pressure on Trevor so he can't get the ball out quickly. Like that, that's the only saving grace I see for the Colts is that front four has a year where you can't block Grover, you can't block um, Buckner, you can't block Quiddy, and you can't block Ibukum, and they just take over. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 
Sorry, Kevin here asked a question. I had to Google who our undrafted free agents even are. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't remember all their names. We didn't, we didn't keep them last year. We broke that streak last year. Uh, the year it stopped was with um, Dallas Flowers, and then last year we didn't sign a single undrafted free agent that I know of. I'm pretty sure Dallas Flowers was last year. He was a rookie last year. I thought he was on the practice squad. He didn't make the actual roster. Is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I think last year that streak ended. Like Dallas Flowers was signed to the practice squad, but as for actual undrafted free agent, I don't think we had one. I mean, if Ashley was watching, she would know. Like that's her thing. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> She's our roster person. She knows yeah. everything about all, especially the undrafted guys. Oh, yeah. but Everything about the undrafted. I mean, it's interesting. I think spots where undrafted guys can make a huge impact is offensive line <laughs> um, and corner specifically and linebacker because while we have some good ones, I think depth there is, is definitely important as well. Yeah, we definitely need depth at corner. So keeping – most of these guys at corner is going to be because even though the inexperience is there, you're still going to need that rotation because these guys are going to be so young, like young, young. And this isn't a Patrick Sertain or a Sauce Gardner type corner situation where we have those type of rookies. No, those guys came into the league known of, you know, they were going to be starters or they were going to be somewhere on the field more than 50% of the time. We have one. I think we have one in Brents who can give you that impact, but it depends on if his wrist is healthy or not in day one. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. That's true. Uh, Nathan here, he's asking, what is taking teams so long to sign first-rounders two weeks till camp? I actually looked into this, Nathan, because I got curious. Um, The reason why a lot of these first-rounders haven't picked – it's not because the overall contract money, because that just it's a wage scale. If you're first overall pick, you make the most and so on and so forth. Yeah. It is signing bonus money and how teams want to increment that. For example, do you do what the Jaguars did and pay Trevor Lawrence his $24 million signing bonus within the first 15 days of signing? So he has no essentially Trevor Lawrence has no guaranteed money left on his contract except for what he makes each year. Or do you do what Cincinnati and Buffalo has done with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Herbert in L.A.? Do you pay them the money that they're, they're, they're money, but do you do an in increments? So one year you get this much, the next year you get the rest of it. Or do you break it down by, hey, you get this much year one, this much year two, this much year three, this much year four. So then year five, you just pick up that option. And then they don't have any more signing bonus money to, to play with because it's all allotted. So essentially what it comes down to is can the agent and the Colts come to agreement on how they want to pay Richardson? I think these, I don't know, man, my opinion about rookie contracts, man, dude, just sign the contract. For one, you're a rookie, you're signing a contract based off of college, not off of even taking an NFL snap. So that's um, just me, man. Yes and no. I think 
hey, it's a business, so I understand that. So this is going to sound really greedy, but I want the players to get as much money as possible as soon as they can possibly get it, whether it's deserved, earned, or not. Like, this is their, their one opportunity to, especially if you're a first-round contract on a rookie contract, the whole contract's guaranteed. So in my opinion, you get as much as you possibly can off that signing bonus as quick as you can. And a situation like the Colts, I'm going to call it like I see it. The Colts are desperate for a quarterback. So they're going to do whatever it takes to sign the guy. And in that situation, I see no problem with Richardson's agent wanting him to make the most money as possible because the NFL career is literally three and a half years on average. <laughs> Chat says... Zach wants them to get the most money except certain positions. Yep. <laughs> no, Zach, hey. Zach wants them to get, get the most money as a rookie and then let them go after they develop. Yep. Hey, I don't pay running backs. I got theories. We'll get into that later on tonight. I got theories, Chad. You guys are going to hate me, but theories. Well, they brought it up, so here's your time. <laughs> oh, Kevin. My thoughts on Pittman and JT. Um Colts are going to pay both of them, whether I want them to or not. You know, JT's going to get paid because he's really the only offensive weapon we have. Even though, personally, I don't believe in paying running backs after their four-year contract is done. You let them leave, and then you can find, you know, a couple guys who are serviceable who can replace them day three in the draft. So I don't believe in, in paying running backs whatsoever. Um, but the Colts will pay Jonathan Taylor because he is that important. And then Pittman Jr. Well, Pittman Jr. ranks as a 25th overall uh, wide receiver this year. If you take last year's stats, his last two years' stats, you combine them, he would be 25th in the league in receiving yards and touchdowns. So the Colts are going to pay him, but however much they pay him, that remains to be seen. Um, I think they're going to have to give him like a Chris Godwin uh a low one deal, a high number two deal with the intentions of, hey, we'll come back to this in two years and re-pound it out and, you know, give you a better deal once we give you a sustainable and consistent quarterback play. Because in my opinion, Pittman's job has been hurt the most due to the fact of inconsistent quarterback play. So Pittman, in my opinion, should get paid more because he's been the only consistent receiving threat the Colts have had. But his consistency has suffered because Matt Ryan's been trash and Ursay ran Wentz, Wentz out of town. So, Yeah, Wentz leaving or trading Wentz was probably the biggest issue that – or the biggest thing that hurt Pittman. Yeah. Because Pittman had a hell of a year that season. Yeah. I think um, if he would have had a second year with Wentz, we wouldn't even be questioning whether he's going to get signed or not. Oh, without a doubt. I think if he had just even this year with Wentz, we'd have been like, hey, Pittman's, you know, he's a bona fide. We would know for sure. Like Pittman's yeah. a bona fide one or he's a legit, he's a, a low end one, high end two. Get this guy paid because either way, he's a valuable asset. We can't lose him. Um, yeah, back, that's, that's facts, back, especially when we don't have depth. Right. Right. Back to uh, my JT comment. The Colts are getting immense value from jonathan taylor right now and the reason why i say like they don't need to pay him is he hasn't had two back-to-back -back successful seasons 
Last year, he was injured and hurt. So we really didn't get a whole lot out of him. And then 2018 or whatever year it was where he popped off and had 1,800 yards and, you know, led the league in rushing. If we get that again, you absolutely pay him. But I don't think the Colts will. I think they'll slap him with a franchise tag. So J- JT popped off his rookie year and then had a second year that was good. Uh, he had an adjustment period in his rookie year. Well, he he started. He wasn't supposed to start as early as right. he did because we had Marlon and then Marlon Mack got hurt. Right. So then I he mean, stepped into the game, but he still had like nine nine hundred something yards. I, I mean, for me, it's hard because like if you look at JT, he's obviously a top five running back. So the Colts are obviously going to pay him. But if you look at where he's getting paid, bro's only getting paid 37th. He's a 37th highest paid NFL running back right now. Like, that's the immense yeah. value. So that's why I say, like, no need to pay him. Because, in my opinion, even playing, even paying JT on the franchise tag is still more doable than giving him a long-term contract. Just because JT can't consistently play three downs. And if you look at the guys who get paid big money, McCaffrey and Kamara, um, they're three down guys. Every down they're out there except for fourth down. And yes, JT has made plays in the passing game. He's not a consistent passing threat. If he was, they wouldn't need Deion Jackson. They wouldn't need Naheem. Like, that's just my opinion. If you want paid big bucks, I need you to play three down big bucks. To, to be fair, Frank took him off the field on that third down. Hey, <laughs> hey Frank- them, absolutely. I, I don't disagree. But at the same time, like, if he's going to, you know, say what he wants and be vocal like he was to the media about how he wants to spend his time here in Indianapolis and he wants to be a Colt and retire a Colt, all that means well, but show me on the field. Play three downs this year. Ch- I'm challenging JT. You have to play three downs if I'm going to pay you $18 million a year like you're asking. Because if not, you're just a glorified Derrick Henry. That's true. It's a valid point. Do you think we use a tag on him? I would. I absolutely have no intentions of paying JT. Like, if I was GM, I would not pay JT. I would let him play out the year, and then I would smack him with whatever tag that they smacked um, Lamar Jackson with. So we can't, if he leaves, we get compensation. So it's a fair fair deal in the end. And if he signs it and plays on a one-year deal, and he plays the game of his life or plays a year of his life, well, then Colts better pay up. And then if not, let him walk. Go find someone else. In today's, in today's NFL, running back is so devalued, but I hate to say this, but most running backs are the same coming out. So go get you, unless you know you got a freak like JT. I don't know. It's Everyone always wants to have, have someone like Jonathan Taylor, but when it comes to paying him, Teams aren't wanting to do that because, in my opinion, there's more premium positions that need paid, like left tackle, um, defensive end, corner, safety, far more than running backs. Running backs, you don't have to pay. And you can get away with it in your argument. I, I know the other side of the argument. Well, you got a quarterback on a rookie deal, so now it's a perfect chance. You can pay Jonathan Taylor a three-year extension, so by the time this deal's over, he's 20, 27. Sure, you can hit him when he's only 27 and he can get that big money someplace else. But at the same time, why? I feel like the Colts are going to do exactly what Tennessee has done with Derrick Henry. They're going to run him to the ground. 
yeah, Derrick Henry puts up, you know, 1,800 yards, but his efficiency every year has dropped. So, at the end of the day, is it really worth it? Like, yes, I love JT. Yes, he brings the excitement. Yes, he owns the Buffalo Bills. But, no, I'm not paying the kid. I'm letting him walk. Go get his money someplace else. I want to continue winning in the future, and that means I'm not paying a running back. All valid points. I like bringing up Derrick Henry. I was looking at Derrick Henry today, and I've said it multiple times. Derrick Henry is just your standard running back from 2000 to 2010. Absolutely. He's just he's just in a different generation of, of running backs right now. That's why he looks so good. Let him play 2000 to 2010 and get this amount of carries. Um, got a his, question. Career been, his career would have been over in three and a half years. Got a question for my pops. Who's the biggest surprise cut of the season? That's difficult because I, who I want and who will be are, are different. I want Kenny Moore cut out of Indianapolis. Like, run him out of town. You don't do what you did last year and then expect to fall in the good graces. I know everyone's like, oh, second chances. I'm sorry, but when you make yourself look like a clown, there's no need for it. So, will Kenny Moore get cut? No. Who do I think could be cut? Um, Our center, Ryan Kelly. Just because his contract is gigantic and his play is on the decline. So, you know, definitely could see Ryan Kelly getting cut and uh, Pinter taking over as starting center because he's more athletic, he's younger, and fits what Steichen wants to do if we use a Philly scheme. That would be insane, in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it could happen. It could happen after, you know, his downfall last year. Yeah, I think anyone play, on the offensive line is on the chopping block. His play was trash, so and he's getting yeah. paid top five center money. Mm, I don't know if they, that, that if that's necessarily what I would want to do. I like Ryan Kelly, but it wouldn't surprise me if he got cut. That's big time. Our chat here says, but Zach, I think the franchise tag option will just keep him for one more season. Two first-round picks is a steep ask for a running back, even JT in this market. Oh, I don't disagree with you. But at the same time, like, I'm steadfast. I'm not paying a running back at all. (laughs) Like, at all. So if that keeps JT in town one more year, so be it. Because you're right. Teams aren't going to pay it. So then then JT can see where his value's at and truly be like, well, do I want to continue to win here or am I really all about that money and go elsewhere? You're essentially showing JT the market. Hey, man, you had a great you, – you ran well. You did well. We're offering you a fair deal. And if he doesn't want to take it, you tag him. And if someone else wants him, Coles get compensated. And it wouldn't be two first-round picks because his value is not nearly as much as a quarterback. I think it changes via position. So it might be one first-round pick. But either way – one first-round pick for a running back, especially if you're a bad team and you just want to sign JT to give something going on, that's um a steep price. That's a steep price to pay. So, in my opinion, yeah, run them on a tag. I'm not worried about it. Sorry, my kid came running in. Oh, that's fine, man. No need to apologize. I thought it was my wife. I was getting prepared to get my butt whooped. <laughs> ah, fair enough. 
<laughs> Scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen it all too often. I mean, we had Edron James that we let go. I don't, I don't know if he, I don't think he played on a second contract. Not for Indianapolis. No, no, I think he played one contract he, he and then he went to Arizona. One contract went to Arizona and then he finished out in Seattle and was done. I mean, same thing with Joseph Adai. The Colts do not, they do not have a history of signing running backs to multiple year contracts unless you're a bum like Donald yeah. Brown. <laughs> like, unless you're a backup who gets the second contract, most starting running backs for Indianapolis are one and done. I mean, hell, the one guy they should have signed on a big deal, they traded, and that was Marshall Falk. So, yeah. <laughs> My thing with I think with running backs is there. That's one of the most popular positions. And I mean, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, right? Those are probably top three most popular positions as kids are growing up. Right. That's uh, who they mostly idolize. Most kids right. know they don't have it to be a solid quarterback like that. So a lot of times they go running back or wide receiver. Right. And I think it's easier to train kids to be a top tier running back or a top tier wide receiver as long as you have the physical attributes to play that position. So you come into a draft, you can find they're gonna have that one big name running back or that, you know, two guys, three guys that are big Every name year. running backs. But then you also have six or seven of them that are sitting in that third, fourth, fifth round that end up being top tier running backs. I mean, the prime example I use is before the Niners traded for McCaffrey, it was literally like, Hey, who's gonna play running back for the San Francisco 49ers? some dude we've never heard of, and then he goes on and, you know, gets a second contract with another team. I mean, Kyle Shanahan made Raheem Mostert from Purdue, who I can tell you, I watched Purdue football, did not know the guy. So he makes a dude like Raheem Mostert look incredible to get a second contract. Is it really the running back or is it the system? And that's kind of what I'm arguing here. I think more times than not for a running back to be successful, it comes down to the quality of offensive line and the system you put him in. And if you give him both, it doesn't matter who you have running back there. That's big facts. That's big facts. I just don't I don't want to run him. I don't want to, you know, I don't want our offense to be based around Jonathan Taylor. Um, that's not indie football, in my opinion. No. Um, we've always had, you know, the good running backs. But that's never what our offense was built around. I don't want to look like Tennessee. I don't want to have this because running will get you to the playoffs. That's perfectly fine, right? Running will get you to the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs, you're not you're not winning anything. Oh, and that's been proven. Teams that teams that are based around running the ball don't win Super Bowls. Um, not today. I would. I'm talking would, straight up running, oh, like a Derrick Henry style. True. I'm not that, talking like a, a multi, like a like a dual threat quarterback and a running back. Right. You know? Right. I mean, I'm gonna say what Kansas City does in their run game, which is a bunch of counter traps and offside, off tackle stuff, rinky dink yeah, stuff. Yeah, but they, you know, they win Super Bowls because of Mahomes 
absolutely rules because of the counters and the runs. They and I, it's a lot of movement. It's a lot of I, moving parts, and that scheme is is scary. And I hope that that's something that Indianapolis looks because I believe Indianapolis is in the perfect position. Why? Because they have multiple teams they can look at and say, "Hey, this is what we want to be like on offense. We want to be like Kansas City." Yeah. But when it comes to building the team, I want to do what the Cincinnati Bengals do. Here's why I say that. They spend big on defense. Most of their pieces they have on offense, they've drafted. And then when it comes to finally paying a quarterback, they have a quarterback who understands, hey, I'm taking less so my guys around me can make more. I mean, you just saw they, they got Joe Mixon to take less so he could stay. So if I'm the Colts, if I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm Ursay, it's a copycat league. I'm finding out what Kansas City did to keep things so cheap because they really invested in three players, Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Travis Kelsey. Those are their big three. And then on top of that, you see what the Bengals are doing. They have spent big on defense. That, that defensive line for Cincinnati, incredible. Those corners, great on value. And then they've drafted well to subsidize depth. And then on offense, they've spent on the offensive line or they've drafted on the offensive line and spent on the skill positions and pay put premium positions on the skill positions. And they're getting ready to pay Joe Burrow. So I see that, and I'm like, if I'm Indianapolis, those are the two teams I want to follow and kind of and kind of materialize, see how things work out. It all depends on the development, of my opinion, of Anthony Richardson. See, that's why I think schematically, I think the best offense uh, that would fit Anthony Richardson right now is looking at that Kansas City offense, right? We, I'm not talking position-wise players, right? right. Uh, no, I'm not comparing Anthony Richardson to Patrick Mahomes. It's not what I'm doing at all. No. Take the players out of it. If you look at the way that offense's system runs, you talk about the counters, I'm talking about the movements, right? The pre-snap movements – those movements allow guys to read defenses quicker. Yeah. You just make that one move, that one motion, and you just read a shift. Any slight shift defensively gives you an idea of where you want to go with the ball. Absolutely. So that makes your that makes your post snap read a little quicker. You know, I may not go, I may not read from left to right. I might skip the left because I know that that's not going to be there. Right. I mean, anything that allows AR to have cleaner answers. Quicker answers, faster. I'm all for it. You know, I will think, I'll say this, outside of Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, I do believe Anthony Richardson gives the Colts a day one run threat like Lamar. You know, Colts, Indianapolis isn't going to be as dynamic as Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are in the run game because yeah. what Lamar has is special. But I do think you can keep a defense off balance by using Richardson kind of in a lot of similar ways like the Eagles have used um, Jalen, like Baltimore has used Lamar and really force, you know, hey, if you're going to shut AR down, we're going to hit you with the RPOs. I'm going to hit you with the bubble screens. I'm going to hit you with the slants. I'm going to get you with, you know, the tight end over the middle. Just the, the, the simple quick stuff that, you know, is boring. But as long as it's successful and it works, then I'm happy with it. 
What I like how they use Lamar in Baltimore is they use it in a spread offense. So yeah. they spread everybody out. And yeah. then they use his speed in the middle of the field. They don't run a lot of his RPOs on the outside edge. They run a lot of his his drawn-up QB runs are in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We're going back. I think this is your dad. He said just a note. Edge played from 99 to 05 for Indy. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you. He had that rookie year where he won the league rushing title. Came out hot, like white hot. And then I think. uh, That was right after we traded Marshall Falk. Yeah, the very next year with the Rams pick. We selected. um, No. lineman. We selected the lineman. The lineman who died on his way to trade. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say with the Rams pick we selected. So with the Colts pick we selected Edge. But, um, yeah, and then I think in 2000 or 2001, he tore his ACL, and uh, we had to deal with Monroe and Dominique Rhodes and that combination. They're, speaking of undrafted guys, there's a guy, Dominique Rhodes, who I believe, you know, if the Colts found another like, one, he would be he would be incredible. I feel like he was in the NFL forever. Oh, he was, man. He was. Because I felt like he was still a Colt in 2012. Dude, he was a Colt forever. I feel like he was on that team from, like, 2004 to, like, 2015. Like, that's how long I feel like he was there. Because he left for a year to play in Oakland, a year to yeah, play in Buffalo, and then he came back or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was one of those dudes that I felt like I can't – it just surprises me that he – was true. He was. It came into the NFL so early on because I remember watching him when I was older. Yeah. It's like my God. I mean, um, another one of those close to die. That's hard for me because he was only on the team for four years. I felt like, but his impact was so. Because that's a Super Bowl season. His rookie years, the Colts went to the Super Bowl. Like, and his yeah, impact it was, was. It was. He was a one thousand yard rusher that year too. It was day one. Like he was that yeah. dude. And he should have been. He should have been Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, should have been. That man had a game. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, that's just the thing. Like running backs, I I don't care what era it is. In like 2099, 2000 to 2009, I call the golden era of running backs that I really saw so many talented guys. I mean, I feel like you can get them. All running backs are the same anymore. No no one is special. That's why I'm like, yo, JT, thank you for what you did, but you can get got, my guy. Like, if I lost you, I would be upset a little bit, but at the same time, not really. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. It would be one of those things where, all right, on to the next one. Like, you guys know how I am. I'm not invested. Right. I don't invest in, in players too much right. like most fans do. Most fans are like, you know, they get obsessed like that. That girl, Irene, she gets obsessed with uh, Ashton Doolin. Uh, it's like people get After so obsessed. Colts. Go ahead. After the Colts cut Manning, I refuse to get attached to any of them. I mean, th- that's the day my heart broke, and I was all like, all right, this is clearly a business. You know, when you let your franchise leader go, you know, all of a neck injury just so you can draft a potential another John Elway. You know, like, that's when I was like, okay, it really is a business. Like, he was like, Manning was the only player who I can honestly say I got super duper attached to. Yeah, I was attached to him up until 2010. 
remember when I was on a plane on my way to NTC uh, in Port Irwin, California, and I landed and I got all the notifications of the Colts Jets wildcard game, and he threw like four interceptions or something like that. I was like, "His life, man." I'm so tired of this dude, man. Going to the playoffs and losing to the Jets. Mark Sanchez and the Jets. Like, come on, bro. Like, yeah. And then I was deployed when he got released, and it was just kind of one of those things where I was ready for it. I think I was fully prepared to move on. But uh, Kevin Hunt here said uh, that Ballard came from Casey. This goes back to our conversation about, yeah, you know, looking at Casey and Cincinnati. Uh, I would say that Ballard was actually grew up in Chicago, not grew yeah. up, but was like he his was football a, career he was, was a scout in Chicago, and then yeah, a, he, a, a personnel executive in Kansas City. So yeah. yeah, so I think a lot of his roots are going to be tied to Chicago after two thousand one. I mean, pretty he, much where he learned. He drafted Matt Forte for Lovey Smith and the Bears. I mean, mm-hmm. he scouted Rex Grossman. So. Hey, he That's was a dog. <laughs> he was a dog here in Indy. Don't let him lie to you. Rex Grossman was a goat in high school football here in Indianapolis. <laughs> like Rex Grossman was a truth, Bloomington South man. The truth. I've seen his high school tape. I had a coach that had some. Rex Grossman was nasty in co- in high school. Nasty. And then Chad um, here says, having Minshew mentoring AR, knowing Shane's offense and the verbiage he uses. I would say, yeah, with the verbiage, but I would say knowing Shane's offense. Shane specifically said that he was going to build a system around who he has. Right. So the system's not going to look exactly like Philly's. The verbiage, yeah, I could assume that the verbiage is going to be there, but they don't always bring all the verbiage with them. So there's going to be a lot of different changes. And I think, I think Minshew is good in that aspect of knowing Shane. But the offense isn't going to look – I don't think it's really going to look anything like Phillies, to be completely honest. Oh, I, I'm not sure because I think, you know, like Shane has a background with the San Diego Chargers and Uncle Phil. And that passing game was a lot of air Coriel, spread you out, chuck it deep. And I think that that's going to be more of a – more of a play than I think we even realize how how deep ball heavy Shane wants to be. Because I, I think, like, once you expand it defense, you know, vertically and you make them aware of the deep shot, everything else, you know, you can get your buckets, your two-pointers underneath and and live that way. Because the way I, I look at this offense is run QB run game is going to be important. But to me, I think – the ability to throw the deep ball and really pressure teams downfield is going to be more than what they even did in Philly. I mean, just looking, yeah, just I, looking at the receiver type, Josh Downs, deep guy, goes over the middle. Alec, Alec Pierce, 50-50 guy. Pittman Jr., 50-50 guy. What's that tell me? Hey, sorry, Mom. It's the, the effort and chuck it downfield, you know. The effort and chuck it offense where we're just going to, you know, I'm going to 50 yards and who's ever open, you're my guy. And then once the defense is scared to death, then I'm going to hit you with, you know, a QB power or a read option, or I'm going to give it to JT up to gut and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I have read that uh, AR has made comments about the offense being vertical Mm -hmm. and that he's looking forward to it. So, 
yeah, I guess that's that's a valid thing. Um, but it's still, I do still think a lot of the things changes. I don't think Shane's gonna bring everything with him. No, neither do I. Because I think Jonathan Taylor does change the offense a little bit than what Philly had, considering. I don't like, look at Miles Sanders as a Jonathan Taylor esque running back. But does he though? Like, what more does Jonathan Taylor offer you that Miles Sanders didn't? That's what I'm trying to offer you. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, tell me yeah. what's the what's the difference between Miles Sanders and Jonathan Taylor? Like, Jonathan Taylor's not Ladanian Tomlinson. No. Like, he's not Walter Payton or Barry Sanders. So in today's NFL, Miles Sanders and Jonathan Taylor are the same in that aspect. DeMarco, I can hear you now, going to kill me. Like, I can hear it now. DeMarco, I can hear your voice now. I know you're not watching or listening, but what I just said, you're going to kill me when you listen to it. But, I mean, like, the similarities, man. Just the similarities. Like, how much more does JT offer you than a guy like Miles Sanders? That's why I think that offensively, if we were similar like to Philly, it wouldn't shock me. That's why the Philly receivers were, in my opinion, far more important than the run game in Philadelphia. All right, Kevin here says, problem is Houston is going to be a problem. Tennessee is imploding. Jacksonville is looking like a team. I actually want to say I disagree with this. I think, and as much as this hurts me to say, I still think Tennessee is going to give us the most problems. I really still do, even without a wide receiver, you know, with a name. I, I don't know. Trey Burks, I think, is all they got right now. Until um, they get D-Hop. They're not, I don't know if they're even going to get D-Hop. D-Hop wants to go to a Super Bowl contending team. Man said it already. I think he's really in talks with Buffalo. Uh, I've read a lot of reports this week that has him tied to Buffalo. And I really think that's what it is because I know Stephon Diggs is it is giving Buffalo problems right now. And that's going to be an easy replacement if they can get the money right. If they can get the money right for D-Hop, he's going to Buffalo. That's a hot take. I didn't <laughs> I didn't expect that at all, but fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked it up earlier this week to follow what was going on because there's clearly a lot of rumors, right? Because yeah. they put out the betting odds on where D-Hop was going to go. So Tennessee fans went ballistic oh we're getting deal i'm like bro that's betting odds that's betting odds you know they do the least option of the highest so that you can make the most money vegas sets that shit up come on now <laughs> you just bet that d hop was going to go to tennessee and now they're not vegas is going to make dough you know what i mean come on yeah yeah <laughs> but, i don't know but then i saw i looked it up and i was like is there even anything going on with tennessee he hasn't been to tennessee in like a month <laughs> like he's been talking with Buffalo. That would be shocking. Secretly, secretly, and Kansas City's up there too. Because I thought, well, I read where he wanted to go to Kansas City because he wants to play with Mahomes. So I was all like, well, if that's the dude, then that's where he's going to go. And you know, once kid, because he'll hold out because once once Kansas City figures out how to extend Chris Jones to create money, then. They'll sign D-Hop. D-Hop will play on league yeah. minimum. <laughs> yeah, he would. Anybody would. Yeah. Anybody would. Any t any player would be crazy to deny Mahomes because they want more money. Right. Right. That's just I'm sorry, point. but Mahomes, Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. Ooh. Ooh, in dog. my lifetime. You've seen Manning, Tom, and Mahomes, and you think I'm he's... Talking, 
I'm not I'm not talking, you know, old school pocket passer. I'm talking like oh. you tie the athleticism because the man yeah. can run, the man can move, he makes some crazy stuff happen. I'm not saying he is the okay, maybe it's bad words. He's not the greatest quarterback of all time. Not he's right now. Talented but he's the great greatest talented quarterback That's I've fair. ever seen. That's fair. Like That's fair. all like he he is someone you create on Madden. He's just a little bit slower because his speed's not ninety nine. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll let that slide, and I won't hold you accountable. All right. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 He's that's not fair. better than Brady. He's not better than Manning. <laughs> but this man is some – you don't create a Peyton Manning on Madden. You no. don't. No. You don't create a Tom Brady on Madden. On Madden. You create a Patrick Mahomes Oh yeah. On Madden. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> or, or a Lamar Jackson. 100%. But um, with Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville is going to be overhyped. I think they're going to have an identity crisis mm-hmm. on offense – uh, I still don't think they have a second running back behind Travis Etienne. And whether he can do it a whole nother year, I don't know. He's got to prove it. Trevor Lawrence, sure, he improved his QBR by like 25 points or something like that uh, since his rookie year. Uh, they still only really won nine games. So this hype that they are top tier, they swept Tennessee I think they they didn't sweep Houston and they didn't sweep us. I think Calvin Ridley coming back in the mix is going to create a lot of confusion offensively, in my opinion, for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't know how I feel about this because I mean, like Houston, I feel like Houston is a, a about a year or two behind Indianapolis and their whole rebuild. So like. I think Houston and Indy are competing for the future where Tennessee is, this is their last hurrah. Yes. And, and Jacksonville is like, all right, the ceiling is a floor. The time is now. So, yeah, I personally think, I personally so. think Tennessee's window is closed. Really? But I think See, they're going to, yeah, I think, as, I think their window is closed. Because as long as they got Vrabel as head coach, the, in my opinion, like Vrabel and a competent run game, he's going to figure out that defense yeah. and they're going to be good. But but his offense, his his system is what's kept them from winning Super Bowls. Absolutely, I don't so disagree. It's going to continue to keep them from winning Super Bowls. Derrick Henry's getting old. Like right. you said, his efficiency is, has been decreasing every year. heavily every year. Every yeah. year, Ryan Tannehill's just getting older. Uh, Malik Willis is. I don't know. I've heard reports that he's outperforming Duke's mayonnaise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. You still don't have a wide receiver. Your offensive line is mediocre at best. The best you have is a defense. Right. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm the biggest Tennessee hater in America. Like, Tennessee and New England are 1A and 1B on my shit list. But, like, they still have a really good quarterback. So, because of that, or a really good coach. So, because of that, I have to give props. Uh, Jacksonville, I feel like they're, in my opinion, they're slept on. Okay, so they have the best roster in the AFC South. I will yeah. say that, but I, yeah, I, I think on. they're being overhyped. Really? I tell you what, yes. Trevor Lawrence needs to get his flowers, and what held him back was a terrible offensive line. Um, I think they're gonna. He's gonna get better. Also, the issue. I don't think it's an issue. You added. You gave Lawrence a legit number one receiver and uh, the gambler himself, Calvin Ridley. So you give a quarterback a, a true number one, and everyone else gets open. 
I mean, th that's really how it comes down to. You essentially gave him Jamar Chase without giving him Jamar Chase. You gave him a bigger Jamar Chase. And we saw what Jamar Chase did with the Bengals. Calvin Ridley is going to do that with the Jags. If they can figure out a consistent pass rush besides Josh Allen, the defensive end, not the quarterback, then um, they'll be they'll be set. They'll be set, in my opinion. And as long as they don't mess it up and overpay Trevor Lawrence to be quarterback, because that's coming, and they can figure out how to deal with all the contracts and stuff, they, they too will be around for a while. Just my opinion. Mahomes won an MVP with two to one interception ratios, eleven Orthodox TV. I was gonna get there. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, Kevin you. says, is the system for AR five or Minshew? Um, I think they both have their own set system. I think the system is built for AR, but I think Minshew has his own little system All right. inside I'm, the system. I'm gonna describe this as ice cream flavors. <laughs> okay, just because everyone likes ice cream. Uh, the entire system is ice cream, but with Minchu, you get that chocolate chip cookie dough. So he's going to do some things well. But with AR, you get that chocolate chip cookie dough with a peanut butter swirl. So because he's going to be able to give you that extra added element that, you know, just takes it over the top and makes things just a little bit better. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had ice cream and then you sprinkle some salt on top of it like, yo. That's yummy, yummy in your tummy. That's what the system is going to be like with AR, I feel like. Once it fully clicks and everything goes the way it's supposed to go, um, yeah, you're going to – it's going to be an offense that is specifically designed to showcase what AR does well and things will take off. All right, let's go ahead and hit this comment. Holmes won MVP with a 2-1 – Ratio and eleven unorthodox touchdowns. Brett Favre won an MVP with a two-three in uh, ratio and twelve unorthodox touchdowns. Been there, done that. Dad, 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 dad. While yes, technically you're right. I think Brett Favre wishes he was Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah, because I think Mahomes does it better than Brett Favre ever did. I mean. Just my opinion, because Mahomes is literally breaking NFL offenses and creating new ones. And Brett Favre did all of that in an orthodox 90s and early 2000s West Coast offense where there wasn't creativity. I truly feel like what they're doing in Kansas City is nuts with the creative aspect that is Patrick Mahomes and the tight ends. And the lack of run game where they have literally just said, screw it, we're going to run the wing T out of the shotgun and just throw you for loops with motions. I mean, that is today's NFL. Plus, you're not going to see Brett Favre try to fight a guy like Max Crosby. No, 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 you're not. You're not. <laughs> Although we did try and fight Warren Sapp, so – Oh, okay. So, okay, I'll take that back then because that's close enough. That's <laughs> I mean, equivalence. Brett Favre did tell Warren Sapp, "Hey, I will punch you in the mouth." So, oh, that's funny. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Back when the Bucks were in the NFC Central. All right. Kevin says he wants to see the mustache at some point. 
Oh, I think Minshew will start the season, honestly. So, those are some of the answers that we're going to have. Yeah, here soon, I think. No training camp. And my mouse. Just I think. Died. I think Minshew is going to get uh, the majority of the snaps at training camp to start. Oh, I don't. I don't. I think they'll split it the entire way, man. Like, I truly think the entire way of training camp is going to be split, if that makes sense. And then, like, because I think they're going to keep this as close to the vest as humanly possible. Like, even with media and stuff there, it's going to be so tight-knit and hush-hush. You're not going to find anything. Valid. You know who else I want to see kind of doing upcoming this year? Nobody's going to say it. I'll say it. Tyquan Lewis. I want to see him succeed this year. I mean, if he can stay be healthy. Yeah, if he can stay healthy and be consistent, I absolutely think it's a real possibility. Sorry, I'm opening my I'm opening a mouse because, you know, mine just died on me. But if he can be healthy and stay consistently healthy, he provides another guy who can, you know, play inside, outside, and and provide quality depth. Because, in my opinion, that's what's hurting this roster. Lack he's definitely depth. my uh, he's definitely my favorite weak side uh, defensive end. Oh yeah, the man steady knows how to contain the edge on the weak side. Anytime he was in the game against Tennessee or against anyone with a uh, scrambling quarterback that'll do a rollout. They weren't scrambling on him. They weren't rolling out on Taekwon. No, he defended the – he compressed the pocket well. I mean, contain yeah. was his game, and he played it and did it well. Hey, my mouse work now? Yay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Problem solving. How about the split QB system with Minshew and Rich? And that never Sweet. works. That never Sweet. works. That's old school Cowboys with Staubach yeah. and um, – Yeah, that doesn't work anymore. I mean, I'd be all for it. I don't even care. I hope the Colts come out on the wishbone. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Baltimore did it. Baltimore did it with Lamar and Joe Flacco. For one year. But but Lamar really just went like – I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. That's like high school. <laughs> oh, yeah. I say <laughs> – Hey, I've said this before. The Colts have enough running backs where if they wanted to do the wishbone and get away with it, they absolutely could. Do I think they'd be successful with it? Way too much speed. Speed kills a wishbone, but hell, why not? <laughs> why not? I think the wishbone would almost be unstoppable in this year's in this like day and age of football. I think it's figured to be almost impossible to stop it. It's cyclical, man. I think the wishbone and that, I mean, it's already technically back with a spread option offense, but like, I truly think that you could see like with defenses going so speed oriented and getting in the nickel and dime packages, you could see a, a, a Mac school or one of them smaller non-power five schools that gets like older players say, screw it. Hey, we're just going to out physical everybody. And and do yeah. it and go go far like that could that is a thing that I think you could see at the college level more so than the NFL level. Bring back the wing tee. That'd be dope. 
I, I wouldn't know anything about that. I, I played I in the City. So the wing, the wing T is just pretty much your your fullback is the only thing in the backfield. So pretty much like a tight end, and then you put uh, two running backs on the outside. They're the wings, so they're like one step behind the tight ends. So it was like Army Navy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I love that's what uh, that's what my high school ran. I love the flex bone, but no, I played in it for an offense. We if you if you weren't dealing the pill like a, a disturbed drug dealer, then you got problems. Like that's what we did. We threw the pumpkin, chucked the bean. It didn't matter who you were. We were putting ninety on you because we threw it everywhere. So. All right. Yeah, teams that tried to throw it in Jersey, they they, they weren't very successful. <laughs> that's fair at all. Like I was, especially against our de- our defense was pretty good. I was he- I was heavily blitzing all the time, right up the gut too. I was coming right between your center and guard. You better stop me. <laughs> that's fair. No, like it was just fun to watch. It's fun to play in, man. The spread offense, just back in the day. I mean, I can't imagine how crazy fast things are now. But yeah. I, th- I think cyclical wise, from a professional, from a professional college league, how similar the games are now. It wouldn't shock me to see a team here in a couple of years say, "Screw it, let's go back to the power eye. Let's go back to the I formation." Let's go get the big guys so we can just run all over these small guys and physically dominate the small guys. Because anymore, especially college bowl and even professional, it's all about the trenches. Trench warfare. I mean, pass rush and stopping the pass rushers. And once you've accompanied that, the the, the minute details that are quality quarterbacks or quality wide receivers and running backs are, are so small in the league that it, in my opinion, it doesn't matter beyond that. Yeah. Yep. What else are you looking forward to a training camp? What other type of battles, position battles? Um, for me, I want to know who's playing what safety. Um, because they talked about Blackman playing safety. Okay, what happens if Nick Cross comes out and plays with his head on fire? What do you do with Nick Cross? I thought Blackman was. I thought Blackman moved to. Uh, he moved oh, to yeah, strong, moved safety. Fruit, strong safety. That's right. So what do you do? Do you play him a nickel? You say, "Dog, we're getting killed on the outside. We need you to come play corner." And then do you play a guy? Because for me, like, that's a real thing. Like, they drafted Nick Cross to be a GOAT, to be a dude. And, yes, it was his rookie year, and he was trash. But, like, they wrote an article about, again, this is Indianapolis media, so take it with a grain of salt. They overhype everybody. So, if Nick Cross comes out and actually lives up to the expectations of not being overhyped and being worth his weight in salt, what do you do with Blackman? Because he's coming up on a contract year. He's going to get paid. Blackman needs to ball out, in my opinion. He needs to ball. He needs. He needs to. He needs to not arguably be the best. He needs to be the best uh, secondary or uh, defender on our team this year. He needs to be. Oh, I agree. I agree. Especially in the secondary. He has to outperform everybody. There's no Absolutely. way. He's 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 the senior veteran out there next to Kenny Moore. It's his both group. of those guys. Yep. Both of those guys need to put up or go. Yep. Absolutely. 
I don't disagree, but I look at that like, hey, they want to they play that three safety look. You're telling me you're going to keep a stud off the field just because he's a great in the box defender. I mean, true. He's one of those guys who I have expectations for. You don't draft him in the third round and give up pick, give up this year's pick. We could have used to draft a corner or some. Uh, how about a right guard? <laughs> you know, like like something for a safety to sit on the bench all year. So in my opinion, Cross has to has to put up or shut up. Like this is it. This is his year. If not, because he has no loyalty. He has no allegiance to this coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I'm also looking at this tight end room and I'm like, we need to shrink that thing down to size. I think that battle is gonna be huge during training oh, I camp. Don't. Between I don't. No? No. It's my opinion, it's Woods' job. It's Woods and Granson's because um Mo Alley Cox is probably gonna get cut because he's a glorified fullback. <laughs> so all right well that takes away my conversation then. <laughs> i mean that's just how i look at it like you're paying them what eight million to be a blocking fullback yeah it's true when you have a better receiving option in jelani and you have essentially you know another decent receiver who at times had had his moments last year in granson Granted, there weren't very many because, you know, we had Grandpa Matt who couldn't throw the ball very well. But God, you know, I think last year with Matt Ryan, that was some of the most pitiful quarterback play I've ever seen. In a starting quarterback, that's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was a Curtis Painter type. I mean, it was pretty ugly. It was. That shit was bad. It was awful. It was bad. So, I mean, if we can get – I truly feel like – and DeMarco was 100% right when we argued this earlier. If we can get competent, consistently quarterback play throwing the ball, I think our offense will look incredibly improved. Because last year part of it was offensive line couldn't block, and then on top of that, Matt Ryan couldn't decide if he was going to fumble the ball or throw an interception. So – Right. Kevin here says Woods is huge, and I like Granson and Ogletree is healthy. A lot of the times we forget about Ogletree. I don't really count on Ogletree a whole lot because, again, he's injured coming off an ACL, so his back's against the wall. My opinion, if you get hurt in your rookie year, you're essentially fighting an uphill battle. That is the NFL because how many guys who actually get hurt their rookie year end up having successful NFL careers. Just think about it. Just right. I mean, it. look at look at Vic Ballard. Yeah. He had a 100-yard game his first game and got hurt. After that, he was, like, gone. Never. I never. I don't even think he ever took a snap for us again. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, like, like coming back from injury, I want you to be successful. Like, I wish you, you get your money, be healthy. But, like, in reality, the – the odds are not in your favor. No, not at all. Especially when Granson and Woods both had good seasons. Now you're you're way behind the curve because not you know now you got to battle some of these other tight ends that we have that we picked up. 
along with the two guys who have been here. Yeah. So, like, on my depth chart going into the season, Mo Alley Cox is my third tight end. Yeah. Woods is my starter. Granson's my number two. He's my wide tight end who I move around. And then when it comes to blocking, I put Mo Alley out there because, I mean, that's what he is. I mean, you essentially sign him because he's a locker room guy, but right. I'm just – I don't know. It's just one of the positions where, in my opinion, you're paying too much for a, a high price fullback. I agree. I agree. Hey, is your kid okay, dude? Like, dude, I don't know what's going on, bro. Bro, you want to go I'm take a minute and, and check I'm on a, that? I might, I might have to get off. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think I think it'll be it for me tonight. So, all right, all right, man. Everybody, appreciate everybody coming out. It's a little off day for pretty much all of us. Uh, hopefully, next week we'll have everybody back. Quick little show for everybody. Um, yep. Be safe. Um, go Colts. Go Colts. He is going to drop the throw. Fires deep along the right sideline for, for Alec, Alec Pierce. Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown! Touchdown! Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag.